Go on, boy. Yeah, okay. So did you, it was about a couple of weeks ago now, did you see the news about Tyrone May's court case? Didn't it get thrown out or something or he got some kind of community service? Yeah, that's right. It did. Yeah, that's pretty much right. So, so if you remember, he got done for like sharing explicit videos of uh, some young lady. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so his court case was a couple of weeks ago and I think his lawyer was talking about how he's, he's done a lot of community service with the, the Penrith Panthers outreach, uh, mm-hmm. like community outreach program. Mm-hmm. And then, so the magistrate, you know, the judge, she's like, don't you think that now might be the time to change the name of your community outreach program? Do you know what their community outreach program is called? What is it called? It's called Panthers on the Prowl. <laughs> Get out. No way. Really? <laughs> 100%. It's amazing. It's amazing. Is that is that, that sounds like a Gus initiative? I, I don't know, but yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, well. <laughs> so let's talk about the news that's happened during the week. Um, okay. So one of the big pieces of news is that Wayne Bennett came out yesterday and said that uh, Cam Murray is going to move to an edge, um, mm-hmm. and that Liam Knight is going to move to lock. Uh, now, this has huge supercoach ramifications um, for, for a number spent, of people. Yeah. yeah, I spent all last week kind of like talking Liam Knight down and now he's in my team as of today. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start with with Murray um, okay. himself and then let's move to, to the other guys that it's got ramifications for. So... Um, so the first thing I should say is I don't want to go, like even before I heard the news, I didn't want to go anywhere near Cam, Cam Murray. Um, Agreed. And now the reason is because Cam Murray scored 10 tries last year, 10 tries, seven mm-hmm. line breaks. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that's a lot? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. It was, a, yeah. I remember the time thinking like this guy is just scoring every other week. This is unsustainable. So, I'll give you some stats. So, the, mm-hmm. he was the highest try scorer of any back rower slash lock mm-hmm. by some margin. The next closest yep. was, uh, there was Barnett, Garner, Burgess, David Fafita, Kikau, Nakora, and Joel Thompson, all with seven. But no one uh-huh. else had more than seven. Yep. Uh, there was a couple of guys, Fafita, Kikau, and Nakora, who had more line breaks, who had like, 10, 11, 12 line breaks, but no one had more than mm-hmm. seven tries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a massive outlier. 10 tries mm-hmm. is a lot for a back rower. Uh, in 2018, there was a couple of guys who had more. So uh, Gavin Cooper had 13 tries in 2018 off that in that yep. ridiculous run, running off JT. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was a couple of guys who scored nine. Sean Lane and Lachlan Fitzgibbon scored nine. Lachlan Fitzgibbon had that crazy run off Ponga, I think. Yep. Um, but 10 is a lot. So so what I did is I had a look at what happened. So, so effectively, it sounds like Murray's going to go into that Sam Burgess role from last year, right? So yeah, it sounds and you like... expect 70 to 80 minutes on the edge or some combination of edge and middle time. Yeah, he basically said he's probably going to rotate through a bit of the middle. So I'm assuming when Liam Knight comes off, he will rotate through the middle. Um, mm-hmm. I still think he's going to get a break because what, I mean, the, to me, the flavor of the article was Cam Murray's our best player. We, he's a young guy and we don't want to kill him. We don't want him like yep. playing huge minutes in the middle. Now, mm-hmm. that is the last thing I want to hear as a super coach coach uh, mm-hmm. that you know, the coach of one of my players is effectively like wanting to give him a bit more of a rest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I think he's going to play in that Burgess role. I don't think he's going to get 80 minutes, even with even with the time um, at, at back row. Uh, Burgess only got 70 last year. I think there's yep. a chance that Murray gets less than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
maybe not a lot less, but somewhere between 60 and 70, maybe maybe somewhere between 65 and 70, I think it's probably fair. And he averaged 59 minutes last year as it was. He averaged 59. So I think his maximum got an extra 10 minutes in him. But so Burgess, for example, he actually, so when he moved to the that sort of roaming edge middle role, he lost mm-hmm. six points in base stats. Yep. Now he did gain a lot in tries. Um, he scored seven tries when he moved to the edge last year. Mm-hmm. But Murray already scored 10. The chances, so over two years, no one has scored more than Gavin Cooper, who scored 16 tries in two years. So the chances right. of Murray scoring more than five or six tries is basically zero, or the chances of him scoring 10 again is, is zero, let's say. Um, I mean, it could happen, but it's, it's very unlikely. So he's actually going to lose both base. Well, he's going to lose base in terms of PPM base, and he's going to lose mm-hmm. some attacking stats. So he might gain some of that back through the extra five to ten minutes he gets, but I think that's yeah. going to be more than offset by the loss of attacking stats and um, and the, the sort of less base that you get, or at least PPM base that you get on the, on the edge. I think you're absolutely right. I had a look at this, and I want to talk about it a little bit uh, later in the pod. But, yeah, I, I'm totally on board with your position on Murray and... I'm probably staying away from him. Um, even if he gets 80 minutes or close to 80 minutes, unless it's a real real good combination of edge and middle time, I don't think I'm going to be interested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'll wait and see. If he ends up playing 80 minutes, in, you know, then it's pretty much a no-brainer to get him in. But sure. I don't see that happening. Not when the coach is saying mm-hmm. we need to kind of manage him. Mm-hmm. So the next guy is Liam Knight. Uh, we yeah. talked a bit about him a bit last week. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he, he more or less becomes a must-have now. I think he gets sort I, of I think so too. between 50 to 55 minutes in the middle. You know, that's a that's a 10 to 15 point upgrade on his price. Yeah, like, like we said last week, um, guys with the 13 on their back average about 55 minutes a week, 55, 56 minutes a week. Um, and he's he's um, based on a price of uh, pl- having played forty one minutes last year, so that's that is a very decent uptick. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Even if you only get sort of fifty two, fifty three minutes in the mid- like at lock, it's probably enough. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, we're agreed that he's pretty much a must have now. Now yeah. the guy that it's not good for is a guy that was in my team, and that's uh, Jaden Sewer. Yeah, he was in my team as well. So, I mean, it's unclear. So, obviously, Murray takes one edge, and then either Ethan Lowe or Jaden Sewer get the other edge. Now, mm-hmm. even if Sewer gets that other edge, then you've got Ethan Lowe sitting on the bench. Yeah. So, I, I basically only want Sewer if he's going to play big minutes, like sort of 70, 80 minutes. Uh, if, even if he starts now, the sort of... That, it looks like he probably won't get more than 50 or 60 minutes if, if Lowe's on the bench. I don't think I can have yeah. him in my side. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think what will probably end up happening is that um, Murray gets 70 to 80 minutes, Knight gets 50 to 55 minutes, and that leaves about 120-odd minutes um, or just under for Sewer and Lowe to share, and they probably will share that time. So what about the front row? What does that mean for the front row? So the front row is pretty interesting. So you'd think that maybe Tom Burgess um, and Junior Totola would be the starting props. Yeah, but both um, of those guys are kind of, you know. They're both 40-minute they're both guys. Yeah, they're both 40-minute guys. So neither of them is kind of super coach relevant. Yeah. So what that does uh, possibly do is open the door for a couple of cheap guys to come through and and maybe pick up those third and fourth prop spots, um, potentially Tom Amone um, and Colin Matangi, who I really want to see in the nines. Um, there's Nichols as and, well, and there's Nichols as well. Yeah, although Nichols Nichols is a bit of a plotter. Oh, Nichols is a massive plotter. But even say Amone, I, I haven't looked at him. I don't know how many minutes he got last year, but. Like, I don't know if I can pick a guy like that off the bench. Look, just talking quickly about, like, you know, information that you can 
you can, that you can glean from from the trials. Um, and I think I touched on this last week. You have a massive benefit uh, when looking at Roosters players and Dragons players and Bunnies players because you've got the World Club Challenge that the Roosters are playing in and obviously you've got the Charity Shield and they're games that actually matter somewhat. Um, so you do start to see how the coach plans to use his team in the regular season. So that's uh, that's something that I'll be watching very closely. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to talk about that more in just a sec, but I'm not, I'm not quite finished with the weekly news yet. Um, but okay. yeah, I think that's 100% right. So we'll, like in the Charity Shield, for example, we should get a, a reasonable steer on like how many minutes a guy like Tom Mamone might get. Um, yeah. So he got 22 minutes last year and scored 23, so about a point a minute. Uh, so mm-hmm. that mean, must mean that he's pretty cheap. I don't have the price in front of me right now, but yeah. So I guess if he get he was to get forty minutes or something, or thirty five, then maybe he's an option if he's mm-hmm. around that two hundred k mark. But yeah, um, it, it doesn't doesn't massively excite me. So yeah, yeah. so I, I think the front row probably doesn't matter that much. But yeah, it's 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 definitely bad news for the back rowers in Sewell and or Ethan Lowe, and good news for Knight. And I think we're agreed on balance. It's probably bad news for Murray. I'd say so. I'd say so. Unless unless there's a very clear indication that, like I said, he's playing like virtually eighty minutes, um, and some of that, it, I, I'm not. I don't even want eighty minutes on an edge. I need eighty minutes with like some time in the middle. Yeah, personally, to have him in my team. I agree. And just the the flavor of that article was, he's our best player now with with Burgess going, and we need to, you know, have him fresh for the the whole season, and that mm-hmm. that smells of being rested to me but who knows with uh, the old fox wayne mm-hmm. okay so so the next thing is that uh another gun second row john bateman uh had shoulder surgery and yeah. they're now saying that he could be out for up to a m- up to the first month of the season yeah but like this happened last year they said he was like out for ages and then he came back in like a week or two yeah I don't, I, yeah, but the Raiders mean, injury reports he, are not that reliable for me. Yeah, but even if he misses, say, one week, yeah, like, pretty hard to pick a 600k guy that's that's not playing and you're not sure whether he's going to play the week after. Uh, agreed. Yeah, if he doesn't line up for round one, he wouldn't be in my team. But mm-hmm. he, he was in my team a week ago. He's obviously not now. If he does line up in round one, it's very possible that he'll be back in my team. I'm not, he, I don't know, he's just the kind of guy that doesn't really worry me in terms of um, carrying injuries into games. I th- yeah, he seems yeah. seems like a pretty tough nut. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like it's a very strong possibility that he won't be there for round one. And I think yep. me and you and probably most people will draw a line through him, at least in their initial squads, if he's not named. Was there any other news? There's some rumor about Josh Morris playing fullback. Yeah, yeah, um, I heard about that just just before we came on. I, I don't know. Like one minute ago, he was off to the Roosters, and now he's playing fullback. Yeah. I mean, I understand. Yeah, I understand that Moylan's injured, but um, yeah. Sorry, I said last week that something just didn't smell right <laughs> about Cronulla, and I still feel the same. Yeah, surely he's too old and slow to play fullback. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, also, yeah. also, he he just he runs in one like he runs in a straight line like he doesn't he can't move to, to either side. He can't move laterally. No, he can't. <laughs> so just while we're on, I mean, we touched on a couple of gun second rowers there. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Jai Arrow this year? Okay, so I'll tell you what happened in my team earlier today. When I read about the Murray Knight news, I wanted to find a way to get Liam Knight in my team. He wasn't in my team at the time. Mm-hmm. I had TKO in the front row, which I think I mentioned last week. Yep. I had Patrick Carrigan in the back row. Yep. So what I've done is I have put Knight in for TKO, I've moved Carrigan up to the front row and I've now brought Jai Arrow into my team. Right. And why have you done that? What, what do you like about Jai Arrow? 
So I feel like he's the only sort of guy in that 550 to 600 range that really has the chance of being a $650,000 plus player. So I feel like he's the only sort of gun who can become really an elite gun in that in that price range. I was more I, I was more keen on TKO because I, I've managed to convince myself he's going to kick and he's and there's room for improvement for him. But I really don't I'm think he does price, kick. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to be Flanagan. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not a big Flanagan fan, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I haven't warmed to him. But yeah, I think Arrow, I mean, can he get less minutes than he did last year? I don't really think he can. On top of that, um, he's, hanging, he's hanging around for another year at the Titans. I just I just see the coach like actually playing a really good player for a lot of minutes and he's got the motor for it. Oh, look, I completely agree. So he played 57 minutes last year. So yeah, there's definitely some room there. I think like a lot of people have been turned off by how poorly he ended the season. He went on a really bad run towards the end of the season. I don't know if he was sort of injured or what. So he had one one good score in the last round, but apart from that, he had a, a bunch of sort of 40 to 50s. He, he looked like he was playing injured to me. And and I think this whole thing with the bunnies has scared people off. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like a new coach, you know, if I was the new coach, I'd be like, well, I've got this guy for a year. You know, this is my first time coaching in Australia. I'm going to run my best player into the ground because I actually don't care what happens to him next year. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a chance that he gets 65 minutes. And if he, he if he gets 65 minutes and he's got that offload going and he looks fit, he could be anything. And he's only 9% ownership. Yeah, so yeah, I agree. He's actually not in my side right now, but I'm definitely thinking about him. And this this is sort of leads nicely into what I wanted to talk about next, which was the trials in general. So you, you touched on it and like mm-hmm. about the charity shield, but as we know, we're getting our, our first taste of footy this weekend with the, with the nines. Jai mm-hmm. Arrow is playing in the nines. How much stock do you put into sort of that trial form? For guys that I've seen before, probably uh, no stock at all. For um, the young kids I've never seen play before, yeah, I want to see them run around. I want to see sort of how they play, um, how fast they are, especially for the backs, um, how big they are for the forwards, uh, and, you know, whether they have an offload, for example, that kind of stuff. So that'll help me sort of pass pass the rookies that I'm going to have in my team in round one, and I'm going to be able to say, okay, well, I saw that guy in the nines. He throws a bunch of offloads. I saw that other guy. He's just a straight base stack guy. So I'm going to take the offload guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I put a lot of stock into the trials. And I... The nines? The nines specifically or just trials generally? Well, this this year there's some pretty strong teams named in the, in the nines, I think, or at least some some players that I'm very interested in having a look at, at how, they, how they're going. And not just new guys, existing guys. Guys that I've sort of mm-hmm. got an eye on to put in my team. Um, so like Blake Ferguson, Jai Arrow, uh, Anthony Milford, those sorts of guys are all playing. And yep. even though it's, it's the nines, I will be watching them very closely to see sort of how fit and strong they look. We do get a lot of this like training the house down, lowest skin folds ever sort of stuff at this time of year. And mm-hmm. I do think you should take those sort of reports with a grain of salt. But the trials give you a chance to see for your own eyes what a guy looks like. So, for example, two years ago when I started with Masters as a massive pod, I did that because I watched one of the Tigers trial games and he looked enormous. Right. He, he just I think he was like 105 kilos at the time and his legs were like tree trunks and he was just steamrolling people and getting his arms free and offloading. Um, and yeah. I think he made something like six offloads in the first half of the, yeah. of the first NRL game he played that year. And he ended up being one of the best center wings that year. So... I had this theory that at the at the elite level of sports, it's only like a few percent that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. So if a guy comes in, and, and it can actually go both ways because sometimes when they talk about training the house down, guys have lost a lot of weight. And sometimes when they lose yeah. a lot of weight, they end up being less strong um, and they, they don't bust tackles. And in NRL Supercoach, 
one, you get a lot of points for tackle busts, but the other thing you get way too many points for, in my opinion, is offloads. And offloads tend to come from guys that can break through the line or bend the line and get their arms free, and that tends to come with strength. And if I remember correctly, that was your criticism of Masters last year because he seemed much smaller than he did in 2018. That's right. I looked at him before, like, yeah, just before the season started, and it looked like Madge had like run him into the ground doing laps of Leichhardt Oval, and it looked mm-hmm. like he was, you know, sort of 95 kilos, and it showed on the field. He didn't, he wasn't breaking tackles, and he wasn't offloading. I mean, there was talk that he was sort of injured last year as well, but so I'll be looking very carefully uh, at at some of the guys that I'm thinking about just to see, you know, if they look like they're fast, if they look like they're big and strong, are they breaking tackles, are they offloading? Fergo's one I'll be looking at very carefully. There's a bit of a myth going around about Fergo. Um, when do you think his best Supercoach season was? Uh, I want to say his last season at the Roosters. Yeah, I'm hearing that a lot. Uh, that is not the case. Really? Yeah. In 2013... Did he score like 20 tries? He scored a lot of tries. And I think he averaged... I don't have it in front of me, but like 60 or something. Mm-hmm. But in 2013, his last year with the Raiders, he averaged 68. Well, I'm not even sure if that okay. was the old scoring system. It might have been an older scoring system where there was less points. He had three tons in about 12 games, 112, yeah. 126, and 134. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for an average of 68. And I remember that year, that was the year he got selected for Origin, and I'm pretty sure he and Josh Dugan went to Norby's and, like, got involved in some sort of, like, sexual misconduct um, and then got yep. sacked for the rest of the year or something along those lines. Right. Um, and maybe didn't even play the, the year after that or something. I, I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, at that time, he was enormous. He just looked like the biggest, strongest, fastest guy in rugby league and he was just, like, running over the top of the field. And he, and he showed a bit of that at, in that last year at the Roosters. Now, last season my recollection is that he had some sort of ankle surgery over Christmas or there was like he had staph infection in his foot or something. Um, oh, that's right. He was Yeah, he was in hospital. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, he didn't have a terrible year last year, but I think he didn't have a great preseason. And so he wasn't quite as fit or as strong as he was the year, the year before. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be looking at Fergo very closely to see what sort of off-season he might have had. Yeah. He was calling himself the most electrifying man in rugby league in 2013. <laughs> like apparently on the reckon, field, on the field, Wendell Salazar. Do you, like, do you, reckon, do you reckon he'd be top ten now? Top ten most electrifying men in rugby league. <laughs> Maybe that last year at the Roosters, he was. Probably not now. Yeah. Probably not now. Yeah. So, so who else? Yeah. Have you got your eye on anyone at the nines? I have. I have a list. I have a list of people I have an eye on. Great. Um, Talk me through it. But yeah, I will. But. Would you believe I'm working all weekend? I'm going to have to watch a lot of it on delay. But anyway, oh, so this terrible. is my list. I've like, wait, I've, I've cleared my weekend. Have you? <laughs> I'm so jealous. I mean, so jealous. just between you and me, there probably wasn't a whole lot to clear, but. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how excited are you about the second coming? The second coming? <laughs> of who? Our namesake, Corey Parker. Oh, Corey Parker. Yes, I am. I mean, uh, like, is he actually going to get a run? He's probably so fit still that he'll probably play like a, like, you know, play whole games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope he does. Um, um, but you're... Nah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that interested in watching Corey, of course. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's a few guys, particularly, like I said, young guys that I want to look at. Um, the first one that jumped out to me was... Uh, Harley Smith-Shields from the Raiders, who's yep. been getting a bit of a rap. Um, and there's a chance, depending on what happens with Curtis Scott, that he might jag maybe a wing spot or something like that. So he's fighting it out with Oldfield, I think, assuming Curtis is Scott is gone. I imagine mm-hmm. he and Oldfield will be battling it out for that last backline position. Mm-hmm. And and Simmons, yeah, Simmonson was like put in ahead of Oldfield last year. So, yeah, you know, if, if this kid's good enough, maybe he can get that spot. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. I, I, I want more Raiders in my team. Um, so, yeah, so going on from him, uh, Toby Rudolph, the Sharks, that sort of fourth prop, not that I like 
props in that position. But I just, with Fafita being a little bit underdone um, and Uele coming off surgery, and I'm not convinced that Wood still got it, I just want to see what this kid's got. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen him pop up in quite a few teams. Is that sort of cheapy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tana Boyd at the Titans, the half. Um, he's got big wraps on him, so and I've never seen him play, so I'd like to see him. Yeah. I don't know anything now, about him. I'm assuming... No, uh, yeah. I'm assuming Ash Taylor and Brimson are the 5 other uh, no, no, halves. No, no, Ash, Ash, Ash Taylor and Tyron Roberts. Oh, sorry, Brimson Ash Taylor and Tyron Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. I still have half yeah. an eye on Ash Taylor. I think... So do I. He's I so cheap. Tyron Roberts will goal kick, though. Yeah. So, but if Taylor goal kicks, go on. So, I've got a question for you. Do you watch hype videos much, like player hype videos? As as in those, like, a whole. It's know, just like a whole bunch of highlights yeah, yeah, with yeah. like a, with like a song over the top, just sort of yeah, getting you hyped up, basically. <laughs> Sometimes, but they can they they can make any any player look good, right? Well. Just just on a side note, I watched one earlier today um, of Bradman Best's that uh, had the hype music of My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. That's not hype music. <laughs> yeah, I was reverse hyped. You went straight into my team. Was it a good video? Did he impress you? Nah, it was a pretty short video. Okay. Um, but what was a great video, I don't know if you've seen it, but I sent you the Nico Hines hype video. I who, did watch that. Yeah. What do you have to say for yourself? Oh, yeah, look, he looked pretty good. Um, it wasn't the best hype video I've ever seen. Anyway, I bring up I bring up Hines because I want to see him and I want to see Cooper Johns. The more I think about it, the more I feel Jerome Hughes won't be the starting halfback at the Storm and it'll be one of these guys that's a little bit more of more of like a basically a half um, and hang, and who can throw you know, decent cutouts, which Hines and Johns both can, um, and sort of take a little bit of pressure off Munster and basically take pressure off the entire left-hand side attack. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I want to see what both of those players look like. I'm a big, um, I'm a big Jerome Hughes fan. If I was Bellamy, I'd be playing him at a halfback, but I have heard that there are lots of rumours around. That he won't. That'll be in the fourteen. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a Hughes fan at fullback. Just at halfback. I don't know if he's got the organisational and ball skills to play the position. Maybe. Maybe he does. I don't know. So the next thing I want to see at the at the nines is Ryan Madison's biceps. <laughs> Have you seen these things? They're huge. Yeah, they're huge. Oh my god! If anything you were saying before about like just guys busting tackles and getting offloads away has any truth to it, then you have to have Ryan Madison in your team with the size of those arms. But just because he has huge arms doesn't mean he's the best footballer. Look, if he... Yeah, I'll look at him. Don't worry, I'll look at him. But I'm not convinced mm-hmm. that he's a massive tackle, tackle buster. Yeah. Um, I want to see Colin Matangi from the Rabbitohs, um, who we discussed a little yeah, bit earlier. Yeah, so he could jag a bench spot potentially. Yep. Um, Billy Walters of the Tigers. Billy Walters. He's still some chance of getting at least a bench spot as well. So if he gets a bench spot, I don't think I'd be interested. Bench hookers are the worst. Um, but if he gets a starting spot, he's available at halfback, so that would solve a lot of people's headaches in the halves. And I think just talking about the Tigers, the last thing I kind of want to look out for is just how Luciano Leilua plays. Um, and the two things that concern me about him is where is his weight at? Does he does he look like he's a good size? Yeah. Because like, like he he can carry carry a few extra kegs. And the other thing is what's his tackling like? Um, I understand it's a different format, but defense has been his weak point um, when he was at the Dragons. So I don't know if Madge has managed to improve that over the off season, but if he has, I'll be looking out for it. Yeah, I've I've looked at him quite a lot, Luciano. Uh, the old Lucy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he, if he gets the minutes, he's, he's a no-brainer, right? He just, he's the kind of guy that fills the stats, stats shit. Yeah. Line breaks, try assists, offloads, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there is quite a stack of back rowers at the Tigers now. 
Yeah. There's, there's Ghana, Lawrence, Cheekham, and him. So yeah. I just don't know. I actually, unless he's super fit, I don't. If I was the coach, I wouldn't be playing him 80 minutes, put it that way. I'd probably play, play him off the bench if I was. Yeah, if I was the coach, I'd probably play him off the bench just because he's that kind of impact player and his defense is really suspect. Yeah, but yeah, look, if he gets the minutes, he's, he's straight into my side. At the moment, I have Sean Lane there just to spite you. Still. <laughs> we'll see how we go with that. So so he's one that I'll be looking at, Sean Lane. So so all the guys I'm going to talk about are guys that we've seen before. And as I said, I want to look at how fast, how fit, how strong they look. So mm-hmm. I am interested in Milford. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see if he has actually lost those kilos and, and more so if he has gained speed. If he looks really, really fast and sharp, which we should, we should be able to tell from the nines, I, I might start to get interested in him. He's not in my team at the moment. Isaaco as well, I'll be looking at him pretty closely. I am interested in Jesse Ramian. The funny thing about Ramian is, well, the thing about that position is that theoretically playing out S, outside SJ, if he does get that right spot, you know, seems like a goldmine. Yep. But the center historically outside SJ has never done very well. It's cutouts to the wing. Cutouts to the wing and the back rower. The center mm-hmm. actually doesn't get any ball. We talked about uh, the Titans guys, so I'm, I want to see Ash Taylor. What do you think of Martin Tapao this year? I don't know. I started with him last year and I felt like he kind of let me down. If he was still dual front row, second row, I'd probably strongly consider him for my team, but he just doesn't seem that much better than anybody else right now that I'd be like, yep, he's going straight in my team. He just seems like kind of like a borderline gun who I can go with or without. Yeah, I just wonder with with Vanilla Blake coming off injury, if he does get a kind of early boost. Yeah. And if he gets the minutes, he's an absolute he's an absolute gun. He just wasn't getting the yeah. minutes last year. Um I want to see the size of my boy SM Masters' thighs. Mm-hmm. He's come out and said he won't be kicking goals, so that hurts him a little bit. Um, yep. But I'm still somewhat interested in Masters. And Shane Wright. Yeah. So I had a real close look at Shane Wright the other day, and mm-hmm. in the games that he played 80, he had some games where he had enormous base stats. Yes. Like 60, 60 points in base or more. And then yeah. he had a couple of games where he had 20. Yeah, I know. It's odd. I know. Um, yeah. But if he gets 80 on that edge, and I don't think he scored any tries. So if he gets 80 on that edge, no. he's very interesting. I agree. But it really depends on what the bench is going to look like. Because you're going to th- you'd think Cooper will play 80 on the other edge. So depends depends whether he has to share minutes with it's anyone getting or not. pretty old. Probably about it. I mean, talked about Fergo a lot. I'm definitely interested in, in Fergo. Uh, mm-hmm. And his mate on the other side, Makasivo, who's it looks like he's now playing. So I was I thought that he might have been caught up in that court case or whatever, but looks like he's he's in. So he becomes an option right. again. I mean, yep. people are, there are people talking about him, even though he's like 540,000. He scored 22 mm-hmm. tries last year. Yeah. He can't do that again, can he? Or is he the next Radradra and he... He's just going to score 20 tries every year. I don't know. I, I, you you could make the argument that with Dylan Brown healthy on that left-hand side, that even more ball goes down that side and he scores more tries. I mean, maybe. The the Eels spine is the only spine that's that's the same as it was last year as well. Like, they're, they're really better down there. Jason Saab's another interesting one. I'll be interested to see what he looks like. On on another team, I would be very interested on my St. George Dragons. So down on uh, the Dragons. There's, there's just no light at the end of the tunnel. Like, <laughs> So, so yeah, I will be watching the Nines pretty closely and, and mostly put to see what some of those guys look like, just how sharp they're looking, how fast they're looking. Mm-hmm. I think you can, you can get a lot of insight. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So... Which player, so obviously we don't want any injuries, but if there were injuries at the nines, which player who is currently in your squad 
would cause absolute havoc if they got injured at the Nines. Luckily, Tommy Turbo hasn't been named. Or DCE, I don't think. So that is good because both of those cause problems. Paint Haas is playing. Yeah. That would cause cause me some problems. I mean, in a way, it would be kind of good because it would free up a bunch of money. And everyone has him. But it would, it would definitely cause a big restructure in my team. Can I tell you mine? Yeah, go on. I think it's got to be Appy. Yeah, that's true. If it, so Appy's playing, isn't he? Appy's playing. And if he goes down, like that's just a weird position to replace because there's nobody around the same sort of price point. Can I just ask you something? If you were Braden Burns' as coach, would you play him in the in the nines? Uh, if I was Braden Burns' as coach, I would wrap him up in so much bubble wrap. <laughs> He is, he is on their team list. Uh, my uh, heart would be in my mouth. Am I right? I'm just checking yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. He's there. Yeah. I, uh, I would I be literally shitting my pants if if I was the coach of Braden Burns on the field in the nines. Yeah. They're going to have like Bronson Goodwin playing in their centers again by like round six <laughs> with, with this kind of crap. Absolutely. It's like playing Kieran Foran in any game. I'd like to chat a little bit about, um, some uh, Excel handiwork that I did earlier today. Oh, um, please. Looking at, yeah, looking at the actual averages you get out of different positions and how that should affect um, how you choose your players. Okay. So, so uh, I wanted to first of all look at basically what kind of or which positions actually get the the best average points, best average super coach points. And yeah, and I wanted to sort of tie that into how how I'm going to choose players. So, looking at the front row to begin with, I took all the all the actual front rowers who played front row last year. So not guys who were named in the front row but were playing the back row or John Asiata or, or you know guys who who played really out of position quite regularly. And I also took out guys who had only played a couple of games, and I just looked at sort of the more regular front rowers. And they, on average, um, had 43 had forty three points a game. Um, so that was the, and that was the lowest super coach average by a position. So when we talk about um, not having cheapies in your front row, that's kind of what we're talking about because that's what you're going towards. And that 43 average is based on guys who are starting and coming off the bench. So if you have a bench front rower, even getting to a 43 average is unlikely, very hard to do. And that's why I personally lean towards stacking my front row as much as I can from round one. Yeah, okay. So you've got a bunch of guys averaging sort of 50, somewhere between 50 and 60, and then a bunch of guys yes. averaging 20 or 30. And exactly. that, you end up at an average of 43. And yeah, that's that's all those guys we've been talking about, those third and fourth position, particularly fourth position front rowers. You mm-hmm. get you get fifteen to twenty minutes a game and score twenty points. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now second row is a little bit more interesting. So second row you, you get an average of about forty eight um, across all kind of second rowers. But then I then I looked a little bit more into um, the number 13s, who we spoke about a little bit last week, and the edge back rowers, so the 11s and 12s. Yep. And I looked into this in terms of the Cam Murray discussion, which we had a little bit earlier in the pod. Right. So your average starting number 13 in a team will get you about 54 points in about 55 or 56 minutes a yep. game. Sounds about right. Your starting 11 or 12 mm. will get you 54 points again in about 74 minutes. Yeah, okay. So what you what you see is 
basically the same averages, even though the the edge guys play uh, twenty minutes more a game. And in, if you if you look at that in terms of PPM, basically the edge guys get three quarters of the PPM that the middle guys do. It just falls exactly on point seven five. Yeah, right. So just on that, a guy called uh, Carlos the Dwarf, or that that's his uh, Twitter handle. Um, mm-hmm. He posted a little thing on Twitter today um, that had a few guys that have played sort of middle one and edge, and it had their mm-hmm. averages by position. Mm-hmm. So he's got he's got JFH, Sergis, Ryan James, Mannering, Ta- and Tamalolo. Yep, and all of them had far better middle averages than their edge averages. So JFH. 57 in the middle or that lock, 48 on the edge. Sam mm-hmm. Burgess, 72 in the middle, 68 on an edge. Ryan James, 63 mm-hmm. in the middle, 46 on an edge. Mannering, 70 mm-hmm. and 55. Taumalolo, 68 and 57. Now, some of those stats might be kind of biased towards, you know, when they were younger or when they weren't as good players or, when, you know, yep. different minutes and stuff as well, but it's still kind of interesting. That- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I looked at this in terms of Murray because I said, well, okay, so if the edge guys are averaging three quarters of the points and Murray was playing 60 minutes in the middle and let's assume he plays 80 minutes on the edge, then he'd actually end up with the same average. Yeah. Because 60 minutes being three quarters of 80. So... Um, so and he has to and he has to still score ten tries to maintain that average. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things that's pushing up these edge guys is the amount of tries they score. But he's not actually going to get a benefit to that, which yeah, we already discussed. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So in that sense, I'm I'm trying to. Uh, direct my back row to be as lock heavy as possible and guys still like jake williams haven't left my team since and yeah now the the other interesting thing just about the second row is that it is one of the highest averaging positions so the question then begs whether you do get cheapies or as many cheapies as you can in the second row because they actually have a lot more room for growth than a lot of other positions well, not a lot of other positions, but let's say they've got more than front row, they've got more than halfback, they've got more than center, they've got more than hooker. Yeah, but at the best the best cheapies are the centers because you know they're going to get 80 every week, right? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I, I look, mean, that's the problem. I, I with, do agree with that. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a, a cheapy back rower like an Akora that's going to get 80 minutes, then happy days, but it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. Now, I've got another question for you. Who averages more, a starting center or a starting winger? I'd be fascinated to find out. I I have no idea. I mean, my guess is that uh, wingers score at least 50% more tries, but maybe more than that, maybe almost double the amount of tries that centers score, but that centers Mm -hmm. have about maybe about eight to 10 points more in base. Yeah. So, so I don't know where, yeah. that, where that leaves you. So I had a look again at last year's stats to try to figure that out. Um, I only put centers who were centers in my center list. I only put wingers who were actual wingers in my winger list. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Well, so it comes out almost the same. Yeah. Centers average 45.3 points a game. Yeah. Wingers averaged 45.7 points a game. Wow. So my gut feel was pretty much right. Yeah. So, well, I was, I was looking at, at at my, my uh, center wing at the moment, and it actually happens to have a lot of actual centers in it. Um, And I thought, well, that, that, that's a bit weird. I feel like, I feel like the game's going more towards wingers. I feel like super coach, um, is is more suited for wingers these days, but no, it, it looks like it, it looks like it's pretty even. So I'm okay with having, you know, the the Bradman Bests and the 
you know, whatever. Oh, I, I love it. I love time. a cheapy that's starting in the centers just because of that base. They're much less likely to kind of get you that 15 score or whatever. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, there seems to be two types of centers. There's, there's a center that almost plays like a back rower. So it seems like in the mm-hmm. centers, you can they sort of can opt in for tackles or not. That mm-hmm. makes sense. So you get these centers yep. that makes that make like sort of on average about twenty tackles a game, and almost play like another back rower and and sort of opt mm-hmm. into a lot of tackles. And then you get these centers that only make tackles if they absolutely have to, and they only make mm-hmm. about eight to ten tackles a game, and their base is terrible. So you like Moses Sulis of this world, or, or even your your Wonga Blakes, sort of the eight to ten tackles a week guy, whereas. I noticed that Lomax was making like 20 tackles a game when he was in the centers. So he's a real yeah. opt-in guy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. But do you know what the highest averaging position is though? Fullback. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, sorry. Let me uh, let me say is this. Is it actually fullback? I didn't eat, I, I w- it would have to be. But I actually didn't look at fullback because I didn't even think it relevant for this exercise. Um, because everyone's going guns in the fullbacks this year. Yeah, okay. So what's, okay, Sands fullback, what's the highest scoring position? 5'8". Five, 5'8". Five, Funnily enough. Yep. 50 point average from starting 5'8s last year. They, they were actually playing 5'8". They were actually playing 5'8". Wow. Yeah. In my mind, 5'8 is the position where points go to die. Uh, that's what I thought as well, but but no, they they do a little bit of everything. Particularly if they're, I guess, if they're young guys and and they play a more traditional five eighth as a second receiver, they're still going to get the ball um, at the moment that something's going to happen. Um, if they play left and right with a dominant halfback, um, then obviously their scores are affected. But even you see guys like. Uh, like Mason Lino and Cade Cast and stuff like that, who were not the dominant playmaker in their team, still sort of score okay last year. Dylan Brown. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. Interesting. Halfbacks are at forty-seven points per game, but yeah, five-eighth is where it's, it's where it seems to be a lot more reliable. So for me, the last at least three or four years, I've gone relatively light in my halves and it's been a successful strategy for me. I usually get one gun and then try to get three relatively cheap guys and that's what I'm trying to do this year as well. Okay. And I think I think what I'm looking at right now supports that. I've talked at length about my strategy in the halves, which is to go reasonably heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't have Nathan Cleary in my side though. And that terrifies me a little bit. Yeah. So there's all that talk about Cleary, um, like his average without Maloney in the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and if you actually just take um, uh, forced dropouts, if you basically mm-hmm. just add forced dropouts to Cleary's average, because he basically he almost got like he got very few last year because Maloney was doing it all. Mm-hmm. You can almost add one a game to his average yeah. at six points a game. Yep. Suddenly he he becomes in like super gun territory, and yeah. he does have that hundred fifty point game in him. The only thing that's yeah. stopping me from getting him from the start is his draw. Really, I think other guys have better draws. He he, along with Cook, is going to be one of those guys that I'm like trying to get in as soon as possible when that draw kind of bottoms out. Yeah, I think so as well. But remember, he did also have that that um, round 25, 186-point game last year. Yeah. And he had a 139-point game a few weeks before that. Like, yes, he's he's capable of that, but, like, how often do you see a 186-point game? Yeah, and it was against a night side that was, like, had given up for the year. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's the scary thing about him. He can go kind of 150. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that 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 fairly tough draw at the beginning, he'll sort of at least not beat his average and then I can do a sort of George Williams to Cleary trade in about round seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that would work well. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to be quite scared not having him in my team because he is, yeah, he just racks up the super coach points. 
in every almost yeah. every category. Something yeah. the the Panthers though, I just don't know. One side of me says that you know, with all the drama that they had in the off season last year, they can only go better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the scandals they had and distractions they had. But the other half of me says they've lost James Maloney. They haven't recruited particularly well. Ivan Cleary is a good coach, but he's never been an attacking coach. He's more of a defensive mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. Nathan Cleary himself is more of a ball runner than a distributor. He's got a good kicking game, mm-hmm. but he's not a great sort of put people in holes guy. So one part of me is like, where are their points going to come from? Yeah, their their spine is not great. Their the fullbacks average. Luai is okay. Appy's pretty good. But I don't know. I don't know how they're going to bend and break the line. Happy um, might help them a bit. They, They've been crying out for a decent hooker for a few years. But who else have they yeah. recruited? No one really. Capewell, Tedavano. Yeah, average, very average. Yeah. So, so there's talk that Capewell might start um, on an edge. If he were to do that, are you are you going to be no. interested? He's still he is a second row center. No, not even not even a little bit. Not even an 80-minute edge. No. no way. He's such a plotter. And he's not going to get 80 minutes, I don't think. I don't think he will either, But and, and I agree, agree that he's a plotter. But I started with him last year, I'm pretty sure, and he was just plot central. He wasn't getting 80 minutes, I don't he think. Made mo- he made money, though. He made a little bit of money, but probably not enough to justify having him. Yeah. All right, sweet. That's enough for this week. I'm going to be in New Zealand next week, but we'll have a chat. Um, across, across the ditch. Yeah, across the ditch. Uh, um, and we'll actually have some footy to talk about next week. I can't wait. And probably so, so, so can't wait. Probably uh, rebuilding our teams because of a, a massive injuries. Yeah. Frantically trading not, out Braden Burns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy your weekend in front of the couch. Uh, And yeah, I'll speak to you next week. Yeah, let's chat next week. See ya. All right, bye.